Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. When I first started manifesting symptoms of burnout, it was kind of indistinguishable from hating my life. And I think that that is an issue for everybody, where we kind of get to this intersection of like, am I actually sick or do I just hate my life? (laughs) Uh, And when we're in that sort of subclinical phase where the symptoms aren't uh, debilitating yet, I think a lot of us kind of get stuck there of like, wow, maybe it's me. Like everyone else around me is kicking ass. Like they are really nailing life. And I feel like I'm falling further and further behind and I have less and less motivation. And it's really easy at that point, especially when you suffer from self-love issues, to turn that judgment inward and say, like, you're just not trying hard enough. Hey there, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, aka Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, you can always check us out at fdnthrive.com. You can learn more about what we're doing over there and get in contact with us, start the program, whatever you want to do, fdnthrive.com is the place to go. And today we have a very special guest because she is one of the FDN mentors. Now, these are people who have somehow accumulated, accumulated, excuse me, even more knowledge than the average FDN. And I feel like the average FDN does have a pretty good knowledge base and respectable knowledge base, if I do say so myself. But the mentors are on just a different level. Um, And that's why I loved having this conversation today with Elizabeth Gaines. Now, she's a functional health practitioner and burnout recovery expert that specializes in understanding how stress and disempowerment lead the body out of balance and into disease. Elizabeth combines functional screenings that analyzes the body's core systems with holistic lifestyle changes to bring about long-lasting and personalized healing to her clients. Her role is not to mitigate symptoms, but rather to create health. I think that speaks for all FDNs, that's for sure. Driven by a belief that health is the ultimate form of self-love, she helps those helping themselves out of chronic disempowerment reclaim their energy and tackle the root cause of their health issues so they can return to their naturally vibrant state of being. Elizabeth is passionate about helping people understand that powerful feeling of hating your life is often simply the body's way of asking for help. It's a pretty profound statement. She helps promote a deeper understanding of burnout, the stigma and isolation that surround it, and how to understand it from a physical perspective. In addition to her own practice, Elizabeth is thrilled to have joined the FDN mentor team in 2020. Really cool. We are glad to have her. And you will see this, if you're a regular listener, this is a different type of conversation, that's for sure. And we took a route that I wasn't expecting. Elizabeth is so clearly someone who has done the work. And I don't just mean the work for health, um, just the physical side of things. I mean personal development. I mean actually thinking about these topics deeply. Her insights were awesome. It got me thinking. And so if you like this one, please make sure to leave us a review. But without further ado, let's get to the episode. Now, we have the honor today of having an FDN mentor on. And folks, I think it is pretty obvious, even though we have people that are not functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners on the podcast, they're more than welcome to come on. When we're talking to the FDNs, 
pretty serious people when it comes to functional health. They know their stuff. You know, they're taking this. It's a career, right? This is more than just a hobby. It's a it's a true lifestyle. And then you go to the step of like clinical advisors and FDN and the mentors. And I was just talking to Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth before. They're some of my favorite people to talk to because it's like, all right, you have that base level of FDN, which was already pretty cool. And then the knowledge that these people have is is just amazing. So she came on as a mentor in 2020. I definitely need it. FDN is kind of, I think it's catching up to the times. You know, FDN was something that was doing the online course thing before it was cool. And now, I mean, what did 2020 do? It promoted everything online, right? The top universities in the world uh, were fully online. So it's just a really cool time to be here. And I'm excited to be interviewing yet another FDN. So Let's get right into it. Elizabeth, the first question, and I kind of word it differently every time, so maybe I can't keep calling it the first question, but the first concept we get into on this podcast is the background of the individual and their story. And I know we had mentioned the burnout thing in your bio, and you had mentioned to me personally a, a pretty unique experience, definitely on this podcast, that led you to that burnout. So in as much detail as you'd like to go to, I'd love to hear about your background um, and then how that eventually led to dealing with certain health symptoms. Yeah. Um, so thanks again for having me, Evan. It's a real pleasure to be here and, and talk about this stuff. It's a it's a really big passion of mine. Um, so I came from the world of nonprofit. I was working with victims of domestic minor sex trafficking in New York City for about a decade, and uh, that's pretty intense work. It's pretty hardcore work. And um, what what I recognized uh, through that work. I had a lot of epiphanies. <laughs> um, one is that I uh, like to think of myself as an altruist. You know, I like to think of myself as wanting to be there to help people. But we tend to put ourselves in the situations that will allow us to do the healing that we need to do rather than <laughs> help other people facilitate their healing. Um, and then, you know, once we've achieved that level of healing, then, then we can come and sort of guide that way for others. So um, when I was uh, in the nonprofit, you know, I, I discovered that I had the same kind of issues as all of the victims that I was working with, and, and that at its core, it was a lack of ability to love myself. And the way that that manifests for trafficking victims, uh, of course, is this horrific you know, sexual abuse. And for me, it manifested in having no ability to have boundaries with my job whatsoever. Um, I was just, you know, so happy to sort of get that at a girl and so happy to kind of be needed and feel that sort of attention and validation and love directed at me that I was leaving my phone on and available all night long. I was like leaving my apartment to go to the Bronx at three in the morning and, you know, holding money for, for girls and, you know, letting them you know, kind of come over and access that at all hours. It was, it, it was a lot. Um, and, and, and so I think, um, when I first started manifesting symptoms of burnout, it was kind of indistinguishable from hating my life. And I think that that is an issue for everybody where we kind of get to this intersection of like, am I actually sick or do I just hate my life? <laughs> uh, and when we're in that sort of subclinical phase where the symptoms aren't uh, debilitating yet, I think a lot of us kind of get stuck there of like, wow, maybe it's me. Like everyone else around me is kicking ass. Like they are really nailing life. 
and I feel like I'm falling further and further behind and I have less and less motivation. And it's really easy at that point, especially when you suffer from self-love issues, to turn that judgment inward and say, like, you're just not trying hard enough or you're not doing this well enough or like, look at how everybody else around you is succeeding and you are failing. Uh, and it fi- so finally, you know, my burnout got to the point where I recognized that there is actual physical deficit there. Um, you know, I was having trouble getting out of bed. Um, for about six months, I could only be out of bed for about three hours at a time before having to go back. Um, I wasn't digesting my food well. I was super sensitive to all kinds of noises, so I couldn't stand to be around people. It was very isolating. Um, and so I... Um, of course, went to the traditional doctors who are like, I don't know, you seem depressed to me. Uh, maybe you just need an antidepressant. And it, it takes, I think, a lot of courage and a lot of belief in yourself to say, you know, deep down, I know something is wrong. Like maybe I am depressed, right? But maybe that's just a consequence of the physical deficit that I'm experiencing rather than the cause. Uh, and when the entire sort of medical community is leaning on you and saying, I don't believe you, I think this is emotional, to find that wherewithal within yourself, particularly when you're not feeling well and you don't have a lot of energy, it's really hard. Um, so I really commend everybody out there who's in that place. Uh, I believe you. <laughs> I know it's not emotional. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to highlight that. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first place I went after being told, you know, you're normal, like this isn't physical, you're not sick was into the world of, um, personal development where everyone's like, look, you can just mindset your way out of these things, right? All you got to do is just improve your mindset. Just got to learn to love yourself. Um, and that's certainly part of the equation. We do need to learn to love ourselves. That is the key to, uh, you know, having a stable emotional experience in life, no doubt. But you cannot mindset your way out of actual physical deficit. You just can't do it. It's like, you know, having your, your bank account be below zero and, you know, kind of go to the money guru and the money guru is like, just imagine abundance, you know, and then like, <laughs> no, but you know, you've got to get the bank account in the red, right, before you can sit and, and kind of imagine abundance, um, coming to you. So, uh, I think, you know, within that, there was a lot of work that I did to, to shore up that self-love issue and to be able to find that wholeness from within me rather than needing it from the outside, uh, rather than needing that validation from, from the work that I was doing and from the coaching that I was involved in at that point. Um, and I think that's, a a, a real boon to me now, actually, because I know I'm not coaching, as a health coach from a place of needing the validation of my client, of needing them to be like, Oh, you, you just helped me. You're so amazing. And you know, you need me like, I've, I've sort of been able to, to transcend that now that I did this self love piece, but you get to the end of the self love work and you're like, you know what? I still kind of feel like garbage. So, um, that's when I went to paleo FX, uh, conference. I lived in Austin at that time. Um, in 2019. And I knew I wanted to do some health coaching. Um, I had never heard of FDN. And I was like, you know, I've got, I've got to kind of get out of this nonprofit space. It's not good for me. I'm sort of recognizing that um, 
it's it's an environment that thrives on people who are willing to have no boundaries. And I'm no longer at that point. Um, I've got to protect my energy because there's very little of it. I'm probably functioning at 20% at this point. So I went to uh, Paleo FX and I see all of these health coaching programs kind of lined up next to each other, one after the other, after the other. And so I was able to do this really like, point for point comparison of all of these programs and talk to people who were enrolled in them and who had graduated from them. And FDN just emerged head and shoulders above every other option that that was there. And I just realized immediately from talking to people and from understanding uh, what was taught in the course and what the actual philosophy of FDN is, that this this was my tribe and these were my people. Uh, so that's how I got here. Well, way to start the podcast off with a bang. I mean, there's quite a few things here. This is awesome. Um, the one I actually, I really, I literally took notes just to make sure I was addressing all the points because this is going to be a fun one for sure. And I think the one thing that I want to start with is just the simple aspect of the personal development side of things, which you still, this is what I love the most. You still recognized the importance of it, but Yes, just like you, I hate that that stuff is being touted. And let's take it a step further, right? We're not just talking about your general self-help book. No, there are literal things that are promoting that mindset alone is going to heal and cure the body 100% of the time. When I see a person that can meditate their way out of sitting on top of a cell tower for 48 hours, I will believe that mindset is everything. And that is all that you right. ever need to do. And that is the only thing I will teach for the rest of my life. I haven't right. seen it yet. So yeah, me neither. Can, yeah, maybe we can mix both then, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I do really think it is both. And this is yeah. coming from a self-help junkie. Um, I also love that you talked about the courage and how it does take courage to actually – because these medical professionals, and for many, for many good reasons, are – put on a pedestal in society. This is this is the cream of the crop, right? They make great money. They are just known as being intelligent for what they were able to do to get to the title of being a doctor or something. And so it is intimidating when we go in and we have symptoms that we're presenting and we get told that, oh, it's this or that. And basically we're getting written off, right? That's a scary thing to have to go against for just the sake of like, who am I to challenge the doctor? Yeah. Um, and really, it's the system that you're challenging, in my opinion. It's normally not the doctor's fault. Most of these people are – there's just as many good and bad doctors as there are good and bad anything else, in my opinion. Um, and so it's it really very has true. Yeah. 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 It's absolutely the system in which they exist. Yeah. Yeah. They are absolutely doing the best they can and most uh, – less often than the natural space, but certainly all the time. I hear when I talk about people's motivations like a doctor to get into the work, it's because they had something happen in their family or they saw something traumatic. You know, every now and then you get the person that had their parents just forcing them in to go make good money. But no, most of the time, it's just like our job where we are in this for a very specific reason, because we saw something traumatic either happen to someone we love or ourselves and we're tired of it and we're going to go fix that. Yeah. And the doctors, you know, I have lots of respect for them. I think it's easy to kind of talk talk down about doctors, but they make incredibly difficult calls all day long, yeah. every day that I would never want to have in my hands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is serious stuff, right? Yeah. So I love that every single person, FDN or not, that has been on this podcast in one way or another, usually we get to the idea that, yes, we're, this is not anti-Western medicine. It's like, yeah. let's just use things when – just like the personal development thing and the biological side of stuff. We need to use these things at the appropriate time. It doesn't have to be black or white. Um, yeah. So 
to go to the end of what you were talking about with paleo FX, and this happens all the time. There's a key point though, in between you feeling this burnout, having these experiences and getting to paleo FX, that is not something. And for those that don't know, it's a conference that used to happen every year. I think they're back on in 2022 um, in Austin area. It's a wonderful thing. FDN's always there. But that's not something that, you know, the average person even knows about, let alone is just going to go to. So what point, and maybe you already had this, do you go from feeling burnt out from this job and probably other things as well to going some to something like Paleo FX? Like what encouraged you to even consider a natural side of things or a dietary side of things? Oh, that's this is such a fascinating question, Evan. Um, so I had an experience in um, 2014 my mom passed away from early onset Alzheimer's and she had none of the traditional risk factors. You know, she didn't have um, genetics for it. She didn't have um, a history of it in her family. She wasn't overweight. She wasn't diabetic. Uh, she, she exercised a lot. She had multiple degrees, you know, the, every single thing that you can look at as a risk factor, she did not have except her diet. She was on the low fat train. Um, she was eating a lot of those products that were replacing uh, fat with grains and with sugar. And she had a real sweet tooth. But because she wasn't overweight, everybody looked at her and said, she's healthy. And I thought so too, right? And then uh, she gets this brain ravaging disease. And um, I really took a, it woke me up and I really took a look around um, after going through that experience of her passing away and uh, started to do some research about uh, low fat diets and about sugar and about grains. Um, and uh, actually, this might sound crazy and you might want to edit this out of the podcast later, but uh, about six months after she died, you know, I went to a medium and the medium clearly told me that uh, my mom was saying, if you don't change your diet, you're going to end up like me. And I really didn't know what that meant um, because I thought I was eating healthy too, like low fat and, you know, yeah, I had a sweet tooth, but I'm a normal body weight and I'm nowhere near diabetic. So it's probably fine. Um, and then uh, I read the book, Grain Brain, that book kind of miraculously made its way into my hands. And I said, oh, <laughs> I see the way that I've been eating and the way that I've been taught to eat is incredibly backwards from the evolutionary mandate being put forward by my DNA. And I really need to pay attention to that or I'm going to suffer some serious consequences. So that's where it started. Wow. Okay. And this is why I always ask that question because I want to know how we can duplicate that for as many people as possible. Now, I admit your answer, while amazing, was that's a tough one to duplicate for people. Yeah. <laughs> I might not be able to replicate that. Right, right. Um, well, and listen, I mean, hey, if it's cool with you, I'd love to leave that in because I think it matters. I grew up, and this is something I've never talked about on this podcast, but hey, if you're going to go there, I'll, I'll happily go there as well if it makes everyone else uh, more comfortable to share it because I don't think we should hide those things. It's part of our story. Um, I grew up an atheist. No one promoted that in my life. We had like low-key American Christians. So what I mean by that is, you know, not going to church every Sunday, but hey, we're celebrating Christmas, Easter, send the kid to Bible school for a week, that type of stuff. So it mm -hmm. wasn't like it was religion being pushed down my throat, but certainly no one was promoting atheism to me. That was just something for whatever reason. Um, I developed that thought at a very young age and I would challenge my parents and they did not 
really like that, but they also thought it was interesting that like there's kids talking about it. And um, I've had profound experiences and I stay with my objectivity. I cannot say that my profound experiences prove one religious text or spiritual teaching from another, but I do know. And oh, I see what you're saying now because as I'm as this is coming out of my mouth, I'm like hesitant with it, but I, but I'll I'll say it. All I know is that the things that I have experienced a handful of times, I have been told are not possible. Mm-hmm. So all that means to me. It does not prove anything necessarily, but I know that we're missing something. That I know for a fact. That is an absolute I agree truth. with you. Yeah, and I agree with you. Yep. So I think that's an amazing experience. And you know what? As I've started talking to more and more people about it, I find that it's actually the minority um, that aren't at least open to some type of spiritual thing. I, I don't think what you said is far at all. I think that's actually really cool. And so, all right, you get to Paleo FX and you find FDN, which is, that's awesome that you're saying, like you're basically vetting all these other places and then you still choose FDN. And I mean, I it, was, it's, it was amazing to be able to do that, you know, because otherwise you're just sort of researching on the web in a vacuum and you, and you really don't know. But to be able to go and see these things that basically side by side was just an incredible um uh, advantage. Yes, yes. And it was FDN. I saw Jen Maleka in person, and I'm sure obviously you guys have connected at one point or another. It, when you hear Jen speak, like you're buying FDN, like yeah. you're going to become a practitioner, you know? So, Absolutely. And I heard Reed speak that weekend as well. And yeah. Yeah. And, so that's and, the double yeah. whammy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's cool. Like, yeah, when you see the people in person, you're hearing their stories, it's like, okay, this is a no brainer. So you go through FDN. And this is always one of my favorite things to ask. Like, what are some of the things that you are discovering as you're going through the course? Because I don't want to misspeak here, but judging by the story that I've heard so far, I mean, there's some people that have been in the natural space for 10 or 15 years before finding FDN. It sounds like you might have found it a little sooner than that. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I I was definitely um, recognized immediately that I was caught in the cycle of trial and error. <laughs> it's like as soon as Reed started talking about that in the course and I was like, oh, that's me. I like listen to health podcasts and everyone's like, oh, it's adrenal fatigue. Just take some ashwagandha or, you know, um, just get a stool test done so you can see if it's gut bugs. Um, you know, and I was doing all those things and I had like this drawer full of supplementation that had no effect on me whatsoever. Um, you know, and uh, a bunch of sort of disparate kind of test results that, I, you know, nobody really knew how to how to read or not read or how they related to each other. Uh, so there were several sort of aha moments um, where I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. I just try this modality and then it and then I wonder why it doesn't work. And then I have this sort of great white hope for the next modality that works a little bit or doesn't work or stops working. And and yes, I'm totally caught in this cycle of trial and error. And so are many people that I know. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, I think I was really kind of blown away at not understanding what a huge role living under chronic stress plays in our dysfunction. Um, I think that that was something I had been in denial about. I am uh, a person who, you know, was was working with. Um, young women who were abused. I was in and out of abusive relationships myself. And I was sort of denying the toll that that was taking on me because that's the only way that you can stay in an abusive relationship is to deny the toll that it's taking on you. Uh, And I think that, you know, I now recognize that my body was 
burning through its vital reserve, you know, trying to uh, cover the damage. Um, and it was trying to hang in there with me, you know, and it was fighting the good fight. And it was like, if, if this is what we're doing, then I'm here with you 100%. And I didn't recognize that. Uh, I didn't recognize that that amazing effort that my body had been putting in that sort of like, I'm here for you every second of every day, for 24 hours, every, you know, week of every month of every year that you're alive, I'm here for you. And I think that was something I was actually able to come into contact with and touch in a tangible way during the FDN course of like, oh, wow, you've like, I have been asking you to take the emotional hits for me for years. And of course, there's a point at which you're not going to be able to do that anymore. And how selfish is it of me to look at that as catastrophic failure? as opposed to you just got ignored for so long that you can't even stand up anymore. Wow. I, I love so much what you said about the, we're not even connecting the chronic stress, like from these types of situations to the health issues. And I'm like, why is that? Like I'm, I'm having this whole train of thought while I'm listening. I'm busy triggering this room. I'm like, wow, like she's so right. And I guess it's because, and this is where I will shamelessly challenge the Western paradigm, you know, you can't really see it unless you're thinking about the body as a whole, because until there's a specific disease in one specific place, they're not going to do anything really, right? And when you do see though that, yeah, I mean, that is, if you're in those types of relationships, I've never experienced that to the degree that I've heard many people share. I do some mental health stuff outside of this, and I hear these types of stories all the time. It is so often that these people, almost universally, almost universally, are dealing with some type of chronic physical symptom as well. And it is all connected, right? Just like if you have a terrible unknown gluten sensitivity, that is a constant stress on your body if you're a modern American eating, you know, cereal for breakfast, sandwich for lunch, pasta for dinner, and cookies in between for snacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these other things are chronic stress as well. Is it identical? I mean, not necessarily, but certainly it leads to the same disease aspect. So really, um, this is just fascinating stuff. So when you're going through FDN and just kind of going to the lab work side, I guess, like what are some of the things that you're discovering that were like major healing opportunities for you that you might not have ever looked at or even considered before? Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I do want to just address something that you said before, before we get sure, to that question, sure. if that's okay. Yeah. I think this kind of fundamental disconnect starts when we are children. And it's basically about behavior modification, right? Like when we're in preschool and we're like, oh, hey, I'm hungry. And they're like, well, it's not lunchtime yet. Or like, oh, hey, I'm tired. I want to take a nap. Well, it's not nap time yet. And there's this like fear, you know, of disappointing the adult. Right. And so you, you kind of get this association very young, particularly if you're prone to codependency, that the signals that you get from your body are wrong and that they put you in danger of losing love and approval. And then you carry that with you into adulthood and you just learn to um, tune out, tune out what your body is asking you for. Okay. I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me. I just, I, I'm someone who, I was dogmatic in the other way at first and considered it all biochemistry. So just like I made my comments to the people, uh, the cell tower comment, right? I had the opposite problem. And it's kind of why I'm so passionate about it now, because I don't want to ever get like that again. So when you're bringing some of these things up, I mean, this is admittedly, I mean, I understand it from a general perspective, but there's so many things that you've already said that I just haven't considered before. Um, so it's, it's very fun job. I'm always learning something and that's uh, <laughs> kind of cool. I mean, 
This is, I, I kind of actually want to go to this for a second because in your bio, when we were talking about that in the beginning, so let's, whatever, we'll, we'll skip the lab question for a second. Um, you talked about health, like in taking care of our health, being one of the ultimate forms of self-love. So can we expand on that for a second? Because I think that transitions perfectly from kind of some of the things that you have just said over the last several minutes. Like why in your defin- or, uh, in your world is that the ultimate form of self-love? I guess for me, uh, it's the the ultimate form of self-love because this relationship that you have with your body is the closest relationship that you'll ever have on planet Earth. It's closer than your spouse. It's closer than your significant other. It's closer than your parents. It's closer than your children. It's the closest relationship that you'll ever have. And it's your vehicle for um, understanding um, all the information in your environment that's there for you, for you to utilize. So like, what is the cosmos telling you is your purpose in life? What are you, what impact are you supposed to have in the world? If I'm not a hundred percent in tune with my body, if I have some serious dysfunction and things are shut down and, um, and I cannot hear the information that my body is meant to channel to me from this higher vibration, uh, then I don't get to fully live my impact. I don't get to purposefully move in the world and utilize my gifts and talents to their fullest in service uh, to, to other humans or to the planet or anything else, right? So I do think that um, that, that relationship um, with your body is the way that we become expressions of love in the world. Oh, man. This this is not one of the profound experiences that I had necessarily, but as I got healthier, I started understanding what I believe is my calling and mission on this earth. And I feel those things stronger. And yeah. before it's not like I, I don't want to act like I was miserable. That wasn't really the case, but you know, there, there was no purpose and I didn't understand what people meant when they said that at all. And I have found this happen time and time again. I mean, certainly I do not go as deep as you obviously are able to go with this, but I have seen people get healthier and all of a sudden the, it's like, um, the navigation comes back on for them. Exactly. Like, right. Totally. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's what the body is there to do. It's there to channel this really deep, ancient information to you about who you are and what you're supposed to do. It's like, cool. And how does this, well, what do you think is happening there? Because I, I'm sorry, I know that you kind of just touched on that already, but like, why is that simply just because we're becoming more in tune with our bodies? Or does this connect something that allows you to go to that higher power? And I'm only even going in this direction because I've heard both things kind of said, like there is a doctor that I love that swears because we get healthier, our cells are able to connect with energy more and all these types of things. I mean, is that how deep you're taking this or is it not that far? Oh, I, I do. I do. Like, for example, every time I eat, I look at the food on my plate and I visualize like how it grew from the soil and the sunlight that was on it or the life cycle of, of, of an animal, if it's an animal on my plate. And I really like want my cells to um, understand that they are eating stardust, right? And that they are made of stardust and that they are awakened with this nutrition, this ancient form of nutrition connects them back to this universal flow to which they came from and are a part of, uh, you know, with the act of eating. 
So I do think it happens on a cellular level, but I also think that when the body is cleared of all of its junk, it is a a big sort of uh, radio antenna for what the cosmos wants you to know about yourself. (laughs) This is... I didn't expect uh, the podcast to take this route, and this is fun. Um, I like when it switches up a little bit because these are fun topics to me. And, you know, just for those listening that I, I do feel like a lot of our audience would relate to these types of messages. But just in case this sounds a little different, I am, like I just said before, someone that comes from more of a, all right, let's just think totally logically biochemical background. And when you look at the fact that, and I'm grossly oversimplifying this, but our bodies are kind of these electric beings, well, there are certain things that can be done on a cellular level that when they're operating better, these signals more or less work better. And again, before I ever knew that, I was feeling the experience happen and seeing it happen to other people, the healthier they got. It's And listen, I, I don't know if that I know this perfectly because I know plenty of unhealthy people that are the most spiritual and or religious individuals you've ever met and claim to they just feel like they know exactly what they're doing, right? So maybe I'm I'm off here. I can only talk about my experience. I think the conviction in your voice especially is pretty obvious. Um, so hopefully people are able to take something from that. Is there anything more that we need to get out here? Or, um, is it cool to go to the lab question? Because I definitely never want to skip ahead when someone's, there's so much passion in your voice about this subject that I want to make sure <laughs> we honor that correctly. Uh, yeah, I, ju- I just want to say um, that uh, this is not tied to any kind of re- religious belief, uh, nor is it denigrating any kind of religious belief. And I don't think that anything I've said is in conflict with any particular religious view. Um, I think, you know, it, it, our, our modern world just wants us to believe that our body is there to carry around our brain and that our brain is the only piece of useful hardware that we have. Um, And so I I think I was fully bought into that. And I was living really apart from a fundamental relationship, uh, a fundamental unifier that lets me know I'm never alone, right? And that I'm always cared about. uh, And that is the relationship that I have with my body. And so um, I, I think that was just a a, a crucial piece in in coming into being able to love myself was to understand that my body is my biggest supporter, uh, and, and 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 so that's the reason why I bring that up. But I okay. think we're good to move on. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's only triggering more questions for me. So I will come <laughs> back to this in just a moment. Okay. Um, when you're going through FDN and you're getting these labs or and all this stuff done, what were some of the hidden healing opportunities that to you might have been like, wow, I've, I've never even looked there, whether it's a bug, hormone stuff, whatever, you can take any route with this that you'd like. Yeah. Um, so I had, uh, I remember my lipid peroxides were on the old biohealth test, it stopped measuring at 10 <laughs> and my lipid peroxides were plus 10. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. And my mentor at the time, uh, she, uh, was Shannon. Uh, she was going through my R and R with me. She said she'd never actually seen lipid peroxides that high. Um, but she did a great job of talking me off the ledge about that. Uh, so I, I recognize like, you know, whatever you think you've been doing to get healthy, Maybe it was the over-exercising. Uh, there was a lot of over-exercising going on. Um, 
wasn't healthy. And, and like there it was in black and white, you know, and I think it's, it's easy to take the course and be like, okay, overexercise is a stressor, but I'm not overexercising just because I'm doing like martial arts and CrossFit. And, you know, and if I stop doing those things, like, am I going to lose the muscle mass and, and all of that. And it really sort of made me reevaluate why I was exercising. And I realized that I was exercising out of a scarcity mentality. Like, my body will go to crap if I stop this. I won't look good. I'll lose my definition. Um, it was all scarcity rather than this is a gift for my body. And let me bring it to the table as an equal partner in getting veto power over what we do or don't do in this gift. So it, it, that was a really pivotal moment for me to redefine my relationship to exercise. I, well, first of all, I'm not even going to know what to title this one. It's it's very obvious to me. There's certain people, and this is in all walks of life. I'm not just talking about like interviewing for podcasts or whatever. There's certain people that have just clearly done the work, if you will. And that doesn't mean that we're not always works in progress. I'm not saying that. But it, it's just very cool, um, the energy that you bring when you're talking about this stuff. It's so sincere. It's more than just, I read this at a self-help book from Barnes and Noble yesterday, and now I'm regurgitating it. Um, like these are lived experiences. And it's very, very cool to hear from someone who's gone through those types of things. And I love what you just said about like the why am I exercising? Because, oh my goodness, it's not even just with that. It's the why am I working 80 hours a week? Yeah. That simple question has been yeah. something I've asked so many times. And you get like a deer in the headlight stare sometimes. Yeah. And I've done that myself. I've been there. It's not I'm not above that. It's just, it's amazing giving that to someone else where you're just like, well, why do you work so hard? Yeah. And they got yeah. no idea. Like they have, well, no conscious idea, right? Like it, it's deep stuff. Um, how do you think, let's say someone's listening right now and they're having one of those moments where they're like thinking like, why? Like, is there any, this is kind of tough, but are there any tips to help these individuals be honest with themselves? Because I feel like it is very tough to ask why and then actually give ourselves a straightforward answer. Like how do we peel those layers of the onion back and actually look at what's really going on. Yeah. So it, uh, there are a lot of entry points. And so it sort of de depends on who you are as an individual and, and what kind of works for you as an entry point. But I always like to use meditation, not just like as a guided meditation where I just kind of sit back and relax or whatever, but to actively question my, um, subconscious and to actively uh, invite the cells of my body to have a say in things. And I, and so the, the first key to that is to remove the judgment from it, um, to just have a real curiosity bubble up in you to say, I'd like to know why I do these things. Not because I want to beat myself up about it. Not because, you know, I, I need to be uh, validated or I need acceptance or I'm afraid of losing love, but really like, I just have this curiosity because I want to know myself better. I want to really dig in this mess and, and love myself with, uh, with a grace and an integrity of, of really having gotten down in the muck and not being afraid of it. Like, because there is no judgment there. Like we did the best we could with the information we had. Now we have different information. So let's ask a different set of questions and really look at that with grace and with generosity. Uh, and so uh, I, I do use my meditation time to, to try and dig into these larger questions that are really painful to ask. But in that sort of scenario, you can kind of peel away that layer of judgment 
and pain and like, oh, I really messed up that goes with it. And you can just sort of uh, view it in this more observer context that gives you greater insight into yourself. Well, and that, I mean, you, you nailed it. That is, and it's something I still strive to do myself. I mean, it's very tough for me, but that's like what the whole point of meditation is in many ways. It's to have these things without judgment and to be able to look at it. And I think that's why these individuals, like, you know what I'm talking about, like the true mystics out there that have just been doing this for years, they are at such a high level of development because they're doing that over and over and over and over yeah, and over again. And yeah. it allows for it's there's infinite growth that can be had um, in this time on earth, you know, and it's, it's amazing to see that people uh, that do that. And so again, it's, it's something I strive to do. I, I love that you said the guided meditations, cause that's what I started with. I did one, like one time in 11th grade. I was like, wow, that felt really cool. My body got like warm and then I didn't touch it again for years. And <laughs> I've realized yeah, that there's yeah. a lot more benefit than just the relaxation things. Although that's pretty cool too. I mean, it's a great place to start, right? Yes. It's a great place yeah. to start. But, but if you're interested in asking these kind of uh, more loaded questions of yourself, it's a great place to go for that. Because if you just sort of sit and think in a vacuum, like, you know, sit in your dark room and think about it, judgment is going to come up um, inevitably. But, but in that sort of context where you can just sort of dive in in a less invasive way and in, in, a, in, in a judgment-free way and say, I'm just curious about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I how do I address this with myself? What are my motivations? It's really sort of amazing what your mind will deliver to you as answers. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Transitioning a little bit here because this was something that Elizabeth and I talked about before the podcast, but I, I just no one has brought this up before, at least yet. You have an interest because of your background in like the human rights perspective mixed in with the functional side and not only believing that people have a right to, you know, food, water and uh, community, but the right or excuse me, I believe the word that you used was original. Is that correct? Original water. Original. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that and even define that. What is a right to original water and food? Yeah. So um, I have a human rights background uh, since I uh, worked with. Um, victims of of trafficking in other countries and uh, victims of trafficking here in the U.S. And so I always kind of bring my experiences back to human rights because that's sort of like where my my, uh, organizational system of thinking sometimes goes. So we have these fundamental human rights laid out by the U.N. and uh, everybody has the right to uh, have water and everybody has the right to have food and everybody has the right to have shelter. Um, but I'm wondering what happens when we tack the word original onto these things. So, uh, instead of just the right to water, which is, you know, from our municipal system, which has been, you know, through the system and through human bodies, God knows how many times and had plenty of chemicals dumped into it and has been sloshing around through 90 degree angled pipes and, and, um, is what I would call traumatized. You know, if we sort of believe that cells carry carry the energy of trauma, then uh, then that water is traumatized, right? And and when when the human right is just the right to water, then I'm going to get traumatized water. But if the human right is the right to original water, then that's spring water, never been touched, hasn't been um, on the surface and exposed to. Uh, the nuclear fallout that all surface water on Earth has now been exposed to hasn't been through the 
municipal system where it's had chemicals dumped in it, where it's been traumatized by going through pipes over and over again and then forced into steam and then back into water and, you know, all these sort of things. Um, the right to the water that we would have had, uh, you know, pre, pre-modern society, the same with food. Our original food sources were all organic. You know, they were all local. They were all seasonal. You know, there was there was no option but to eat like that. So instead of the the fundamental right to food, which looks like let me send you a bunch of rice to your starving country, um, you know, which may or may not have a lot of nutritional value um, for the for the population that eats that. What if it's the right to organic food? Um, that's local and in season. <laughs> what if what if we sort of tack this word original onto community life, where instead of just one nuclear family living in one house that has the burden of paying for everything and raising children all by themselves and all of the financial stresses, what if we were back in original communities where um, neighbors all know each other, where there's a, a spirit of cooperation rather than competition? Um, what if we had the right again to original problem solving, which I think we, we, we have this idea now that if somebody comes up with a solution that doesn't work for all 7 billion of us, it's somehow immoral, but that's actually never the way that we have solved problems in our 200,000 years of existence. We were always working with local resources to create local solutions. I think that there is a place for global oversight to make sure that nobody's fallen through the cracks there. But to have this sort of um, mandate that one solution work for all 7 billion of us is very counterintuitive to our evolutionary existence. So, uh, so yeah, those are the types of things that, that I've been thinking about. Wow. I, this had only the seed had been slightly planted in my mind at one point because I was into organics and stuff. I was still very novice when it came to functional sides of things. And I remember I, I was, for whatever reason, involved in some type of fundraiser. And I was thinking about the food, I think it was like for Thanksgiving, that was actually being delivered that I was donating to these families. And I'm like, Maybe this prevents someone from not starving, right? right. But like, this is <laughs> right. terrible, though. I mean, this is crap. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't eat this. And not that um, I, I'm not arguing your point. I am all for this. I think the obvious thing that someone would kind of, I guess, go against with this would be like, all right, well, hey, we can give them ravioli today, um, you know, mm-hmm. Chef Boyardee stuff because it's cheaper and we can keep them alive and we can you know, that we can't focus on organic because it's three or four times the amount. What is the challenge to that? And I'm curious because I feel like you, you just seem like a very deep thinker. And I feel like you would have already thought about someone coming up with that, uh, like counter argument to what you just said. Yeah. So I think, uh, this goes back to having to solve problems at a centralized level, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the food system is too centralized, even the food system within the U S let's exclude the global food system just for the point of this conversation. But even within the U S the food system is too centralized, meaning that, um, one um, meat factory is trying to service one third of the country. You know, it's too big. What we need, I think, are some really innovative ways to think about how to use the land we already have, how to make community gardens, how to actually have animal husbandry on a more local level so that uh, we can have this kind of local, organic, seasonal eating available to, to all communities. Uh, and even, you know, 
taking on food deserts and things like that. You know, how do we make sure that the, the that the only access to food isn't um, fast food uh, or food that has zero nutritional value? Um, so it, it is it is something I think is going to require a lot of creative thinking, and I'm not sure that I have uh, any real solution to that. Um, but but the way that I think about it, it's just about how do we deconstruct the central nature of food and really think about our resources in a more creative, out-of-the-box kind of way to make sure that everybody has what they need, but it doesn't all have to come from the same place. Fair enough. That makes a lot of sense. And I love the just humility and just like, yeah, you know, I don't have all the solutions yet, but let's at least focus on this because we're never going to come up with the solutions if the focus isn't there. And let's just call it like it is. I don't think 99% of the people that are nice enough to go out and donate these foods or do these things for these families are thinking about the original water or original food, you know, and not necessarily even through any fault of their own. This is an well, educational I don't issue. Think, I don't even think the people who are donating food have the access to original water or original food, right? It's just, it's just exactly, not out there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's where the educational thing comes in. And it starts with podcasts like this sometimes and just working one-on-one because, yeah, they, they're probably feeding themselves something similar. You know, they don't really um, – get that. And wow, this podcast, and I mean it this time, because I always say this kind of like jokingly, but this did fly by. And I got to ask you two more questions. And so I, I have okay, to Okay, let's these. do it. Let's um, do yeah, it. We got to finish that up. But one is where can people find you? Because I know there's going to be some people out there that are like, all right, Elizabeth is my person. I'd love to work with her. So where can they find your business? Oh, um, well, anybody can schedule um, a free call with me at BTB Breakthrough Burnout call.com btbcall.com uh, i would be thrilled to see you guys pop up on my schedule um, even if you just want to rap about these kind of issues if you've had insight or thoughts into anything that i've been talking about and uh please feel free to hit me up there excellent nice url by the way um so my final question this is the signature question on the fdn thrive podcast and i am on the edge of my seat waiting to hear what the answer is going to be for this one because i think it's going to be good the signature question is simple um, but our fdns typically give a, a you know pretty profound perspective here and the question is if i gave elizabeth a magic wand and you could get everyone in this world to do one thing for their health so that could mean engaging in a habit or not engaging in a habit whatever that is what is the one thing that you would get them to do Oh, wow. That is such a good question. Um, I would get everyone to really reconnect with what they want to be and what they want to do in life and really then look at how they're spending their time and where they're putting their energies and efforts and see if those things align. Because I think once we, you know, stop working 80 hours a week, because we remember that we like hanging out with our family and that we love our spouse and that we want to see our children grow up, uh, automatically a huge amount of chronic stress goes away. Um, and I really do believe the FDN fundamentals, um, you know, Reed says it best that stress is the cause. It is the root of all evil. It is the cause of metabolic chaos. It is the place where the dysfunction starts. And so if we can all sort of examine our, our lives and sort of say like, where can I have more fun? <laughs> 
How can I be better aligned with what I really like to do? Who do I like to spend time with? And, and, and uh, organize our lives so that those things are possible then I think we would start to see better health emerge just from that. Oh, man, I thought that was such an awesome answer and one that is very easy to kind of overlook. So I hope everyone took it to heart because I am someone that is lucky enough to relatively early in life, I'd say around 18, 19 years old, I knew the direction that I wanted to go in, in terms of career and what I actually wanted to accomplish and do with my life. Now, I'm not saying those things aren't changeable over time, but there's there's a vision, right? There's a target. And that's what really excites us is when we're working towards that target. And then within a few years, was able to actually do these things for income. Now, certainly not rich, <laughs> definitely have plenty of work to do, but it is a wonderful thing to be able to figure out what you want to do in life, actually have the plan to get there, get there, and then be able to be... I guess how you could say it is, um, I don't know, like comfortable and at least secure with where you're at. So again, that implies extra growth that can happen over time, but you have that security, you're able to do what you like. And so what Elizabeth said about figuring out what it is we want to do, reconnecting with that, and then figuring out, are the daily actions that we're taking actually going to lead us there? I'm not saying that this is going to happen overnight, but I read a bunch of books at like the 18 to 19 year old range. I'm still a huge reader today, but it was really obsessive back then. And I remember someone saying the time is going to pass anyway. So even if doing something that you really like or enjoy seems like it's going to take a while, why not just get started? Even if it's 10 years, if you're 40 years old listening to this podcast or 35 or whatever, 10 years, wouldn't it be pretty awesome at 45 or 50 years old to be doing exactly the things you want to do considering how much life you probably have left after that? That logic made sense to me. Worked for me. Obviously worked for Elizabeth too. And one of the best ways to reconnect with what we want out of life is to actually get healthy. So if you're ready to take that step, you know where to find us, www.fdnthrive.com. We are here to help when you are ready. Anyway, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to yet another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and we have been talking to Elizabeth Gaines, FDN Mentor. If you'd be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I'd love you even more than I already do. Until next time, though, take care, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's fdnthrive.com. Dot com.